let's go. In the synagogue, many people come to the synagogue to pray. Many more people come to the synagogue also to collect staka, to ask for help, right? So there's one guy comes every single day to the synagogue always asking for help. And someone says to him, hey, if you, if you ever win the lottery, you make it big, what are you going to do with all that money? Make, you win $100 million, what will you do? He says, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give everybody here, all other people collecting staka, give each of them $10,000 so they'll all leave so I can stay here by myself. Is uh, tomorrow night is the anniversary of the passing of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Torah says that the body goes after the head. That means when your head goes somewhere, your body goes with him. Your body goes with your head. So when the previous Rebbe, on the day of his passing, his soul goes to a new place, and he is the tzaddik of the generation. So in his place, when his, when his, when his neshama goes to a higher place, it brings everyone with him. So there are lots of things that that we uh, do on a regular basis, and we never question if we could go higher and do better than we did before. We, we, you get used to a certain pattern sometimes, never like never change. This guy is fishing, and he catches this really big fish, and then he throws the fish back in the water, and he keeps on fishing. And he takes every small fish he puts into his net, the big fishes he throws out. So someone says to him, "Why are you throwing out the big fish?" He says, "Because at home I have a very small frying pan." I have a small frying pan, I don't want to take the big fish. So there's, it's possible to really continue a pattern and not even know, not even realize that you're in Egypt. You're in, the word Egypt in Hebrew means limitation. It's possible to never leave your limitations, to stay in the same pattern your whole, your whole life. And it's even possible to not even know, to not even realize that you're experiencing, that you are affected by your limitations. To think that you're free, not even realize that you're going, that, you do, that, that you're stuck. The, the, in the Gemara, there's a comparison of an old man to a monkey. That's a really funny thing because the Torah tells us how much we have to revere and have to cherish and honor older people. Someone is older, you're supposed to stand up. is to honor someone who is older. And yet the Torah compares an old man to a monkey. Why is it compared to a monkey? Because a monkey, it says, the Kutzke Rebbe said, a monkey is very similar to a person. A monkey is sort of like a copycat to a person. How do you know when you're getting old? You know when you're getting old? When you start copying today what you did yesterday. Some people, every morning they get up in the morning, they say, today should be different than yesterday. Some people they get up in the morning and they say, I wish tomorrow would be better than today. You want to sleep on it? They want, always want to change. Some people are, are satisfied with the status quo. They're satisfied where they are. They just want to stay where they are. And what happens is, is that it's possible for because of different challenges people have, it's possible to put to bring yourself into a state of Mitzrayim, to bring yourself into a state of Egypt limitation. Rabbi Shartai Savatitsky, is a rabbi's emissary in, in Belgium, he said this man had a very is very wealthy, and he had a fight with his wife. He got divorced. He had three daughters, and he got he went, went into depression. He went to psychologists, psychiatrists, and nothing really helped him. And someone told him to speak to this rabbi, Rabbi Shabtai, speak to him, maybe he could, he could advise you. But everyone, everyone was really, um, everyone was really uh, not helping him. He went to all these psychiatrists, spent so much money, but no one could help him. He, he didn't get along with his daughters, he had three daughters, 
and it was people was very wealthy, but no one was jealous of this guy because he, he, everything was going, everything was very hard for him. Everything was was really down. So he went to Rabbi Shabtai, and Rabbi Shabtai said to him like this: He says, "I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. I want to ask you before I ask you this question, please don't get, don't get angry at me for this question, but he said, don't answer this question right away. Think before you answer the question. You don't have to answer the question if you don't want to, but before you answer it, if you're going to answer it." Think before you answer. Don't answer right away. So he asked him. The question was, "What do you gain from all this depression?" The guy jumps up. What do you gain from the depression? I can't stand this depression. It's bothering me. I'm going to all these psychologists, psychiatrists around the world because I can't stand the depression. What do you mean? What I gain by the depression? But then he said, "Listen, just just, just sit down, close your eyes, and think." So he sat down. And he closed his eyes. It didn't take a minute. It took longer. But all of a sudden. And with his eyes that were closed, he started to cry. He's crying and crying. He got up. He went. He 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 he, he, he says, "I understand." You know what was going on? This guy had issues with his daughters. He had issues with his wife, and issues that he felt that he could correct something about it, something he could do about it. What was his response to the things that he could change? Why didn't he change the things that he could change? I'm depressed. Because I'm depressed, I'm exempt from working on it. He didn't want to work on it. The relationship with his daughters, you know, work relationship with his wife, because he had an excuse. His excuse was, "I am depressed." Because he is depressed, therefore he cannot do it. So, but, so he put himself into this Egypt. He put himself into this limitation. And and often we do this. Often we we accept the status quo to be a certain way, and we just and this guy for Hashem, after this this meeting with this rabbi, his whole life turned around. He started. He, started, he took the wheel, he sat in the driver's seat and he decided to make real changes and work in relationship with his daughters and in Baruch Hashem he's a, a fabulous life, thank God so the Torah tells us in every generation, every day you have to look at yourself as if you left Mitzrayim, every day you have to ask yourself how did I leave Mitzrayim today? Every day to, and when we were in Egypt how did we leave Mitzrayim? Well, what happened? this week's Torah portion talks about how we left Mitzrayim there's nine makot there's nine plagues. After nine plagues, Hashem says, stop. We're going to stop the plagues for a second. We're going to give a little bit of days of, of vacation for the Pharaoh. And then we'll give him the, ne- the next one. Now, you guys are all in business. When someone, like, you see in their eyes, a glint in their eyes, that they're interested, a customer, like, right, Ellie? The guy's, like, uh, guy's looking, you, you see, you see, you see, I'm not, I'm not a random example. You see, you see in his eyes, you can somehow tell in the guy's eyes, like, he's, he's ready, right? You never say to him, oh, let's talk about it tomorrow. No. The moment you strike where the iron is hot, hot, you know the guy is interested, go right away. And here, Pyro gets boxed in the solar plexus, in his head, in his ears, in his nose. The nine plagues, he's ready to get, let the Jews out. What happens afterwards? God tells Moses, no, we're going to stop for a second. I want everybody to go take a sheep. Everyone take a, take a sheep, bring the sheep to their house, and they should tie the sheep to their bedpost and keep it there for four days and then slaughter the sheep and offer it as a sacrifice, and then there'll be the next plague, and then you'll leave. Why stop the middle? What's the meaning of stopping the middle? What is that about? What's the meaning of taking the, the, the... The answer is, real Egypt, what is Egypt really about? Egypt is about our minds. Egypt is about where our mind is, where, 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 what we feel. Many people in life think, you know, if only I had a new house, then things would be different. If only I had the vaccine, ah! Then if I only had an Aston Martin, 
Martin. No, Esther Martin. Oh yeah, Esther Martin. Then if I had a new, if I had the S20. By the way, that's got the S20. It's not, it's not Mashiach. Anyways, if I had the S20, then, then things would be different. Everyone has these things. Shalom Aleichem. Grab a seat. Same price. Front row seat. Back row seat. Everyone. Everyone has things in their life that they feel. If I only had this, things would be different. But the truth is, the truth is, it's not that Egypt is not just a place on the map. It's not just a geographical location. You might be out of the state, out of the country of Egypt, but you still have Egypt inside yourself. So in order for the Jews to leave Egypt, God said to them, I want you to do something before you leave Egypt. I want you to get rid of the Egypt inside yourself. You could have all those things that you want. You're still going to be in Egypt. Egypt is freeing your mind, freeing your heart, freeing yourself from limitation. There was a very phenomenal psychologist named Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a student of Freud. And he was also a Holocaust survivor. He wrote an amazing book. I recommend the book for everyone. The book is, you read it? called Man's Search for Meaning. And in this book, he writes about one of his experiences in, 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 in the concentration camps. He writes how, on the one hand, everyone totally lost all sense of humanness, in a way, in the concentration camp. For sure, the Nazis weren't human. But he said there were some people, every night, they would go from bunker to bunker to encourage people, to give them their last piece of bread. A scrape of bread, a, a, a piece, a, a, they would go around, and he said he realized then, you could take everything away from a person, you could take everything away, but a person always has in him this, this ability to choose. You can't take away from a person his free choice. Everyone always has within themselves this, this ability to choose and to find meaning and to find direction, no matter what you've lost. And that is the meaning of the two Mashiachs. It says in the Talmud there's two Mashiachs. Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. Why the two Mashiachs? The Sfat Ahmed said one Mashiach is meant to take us out of exile. The other Mashiach is make the exile out of us. Take the exile from within us out of us. So it says in the in Mishlei, it says, Shalom HaMelech says, uh, it says, don't love the foolish. Petayim admatay te'avu peti. Foolish people, how long will you love foolishness? Sometimes we get caught in a foolish mode, and we just stick to it. We just want to stick to that foolish thing. We know it's stupid, but we hold on to the stupid thing because we got used to it. We got used to it. That's Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, you're on a certain path, and you're just stuck to it. What makes us stick to it? You know what makes us stick to it? It says in the Torah, Vayereo Otano, the Egyptians made it bad. If you look at the words literally, it means they made us bad. They made us look bad in our own eyes. Make us feel about ourselves that we're bad. When you feel about yourself that you're bad and you're worthless, you can't move. You can't go, you can't go anywhere. So how do you get out of this Egypt? You feel you're stuck in a certain way, in a certain lifestyle, in a certain limitation. How do you get out? So in Egypt, God told Moshe Rabbeinu, He told Moses, as long as they're going to serve idols, they'll be stuck there. They have to get rid of the idols to go out. What was the idol that everyone served then? What was, the, what was the main idol? The main idol that everyone served in that time in Egypt was sheep. 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 Right? They all served the sheep. So God told Moshe Rabbeinu, I need them to get rid of this. Get rid of the idol worship. The Jews were also in, into idol worship. The Jews were also serving idols. The Arachim says they weren't actually doing everything of the idol worship, but there was a certain kind of 
idols, certain kind of, just like today, we have certain kind of mentalities that we worship and we stick to, we know that they're, we know that they're really worthless. So, what do they need to do? They need to take the sheep, and they need to take the sheep, and they need to roast the sheep on, on, in a, on a spit, and keep the sheep in their house for four days, and then they eat it. What, what does that mean? The Baal Shem Tov once said that a, a Jew give a following example. What's your favorite song, Uriel Benjamin? Your favorite song? All right. Give him one song you like. There was once this guy who walked in the street and he heard someone playing the violin. He loved the song. He loved the song so much he played, gave the guy 100 bucks and says, sing the song again. He does the song a second time. He gave him another 100 bucks, do it again. And the guy did it, he's a rich man, he did it again and again and again until he knew the song. Some people, they have a song playing in their head all the time. Ellie, what is the song? What are you doing? Anyways, all day. All right, that's his song. He's for sure, Eitan is for sure a, a, a guy with a song in his head all the time. He wakes up in the morning, he has a song. Goes to, goes to work, he's off with a kid in school, there's a song. What he, one day, this guy, unfortunately, he lost the song. He lost the song. He couldn't remember the song. So what did he do? He made an article in the newspaper. I'll give $10,000 anybody could tell me my song. So everyone comes and they try playing all these songs for him, but no one could get the song. So he puts in $100,000. He says, I'll give $100,000. Now people are in different cities to, to try out that maybe they know the song. The Baal Shem Tov said, that guy is us. In heaven, the soul has ecstasy from praying to God, from studying Torah, from, from kindness. In heaven, comes to this world, the animal part of us, we also have an animal soul, it tries to satisfy this yearning, this closeness to God, this song we have inside. Oh, have a phone, have a house, have a car, have this, have that. He wants to quiet us down. There's a part of us which is like fire. And the animal soul tries to put water into it. What's fire? Fire is, is, un, un, is different than other things in this world. It defies gravity. It goes upwards. There's a part of us that wants to be better, that wants to change, that wants to be different today than we were yesterday, to go higher. But the animal souls relax, and it puts all, a bunch of things in front of our faces. Do this, do this, do this, and to try to satisfy and to quiet down this, 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 this fire. To go out of Egypt, what do you need? There's two qualities in a person. There's fire and there's water. Water means the ability to enjoy, ability to relax, the ability to breathe in, to breathe out. And fire is this, this, this part of you that has to be different, has to change, has to be more. Which do you need to go out of Egypt? Fire or water? You need, first of all, 100% fire. That's why when they took the sheep, Torah says a couple of things. Number one is like this. It had to be very clear, you know what you're doing. They had to have a uh, registration for the sheep. Everyone, it couldn't be like, oh, um, your neighbor comes over to your house and says, hey, why is my God on your barbecue pit? So you can't say, oh, I have no idea. No, there's a registration, they have a paper. They say, oh, they, they say it says Eitan over here. It says you're, you're part of this. Number two, they would take the, uh, the, the sheep had to be a whole sheep. The Egyptians didn't worship sheep which had missing a leg or whatever. They only worshiped a whole sheep. Number three, they had to take the blood and put it on your doorpost. Number four, they had the sheep there for four days. So your neighbors would be asking, what in the world is going on? I hear my God in your house for four days. What's going on? The Jews had to have the, the chutzpah, the strength to say, we're going to do this. We don't, this is, and you know what happened? The Egyptians cried bitterly because they so cherished their God that they, it was worse for them the, the sheep being roasted 
than all the night, ten, the, the, all the plagues. All the plagues weren't as weren't as hard for them as seeing their God being burnt. In a similar way, people have these things we hold on to. And to let go, it seems like it's like I have a toothache. Your toothache, your terrible pain in your tooth. But you know what happens? You go to the dentist, it takes the tooth out. All of a sudden, like the thing you were worried about, like oh, I can't get out, I can't get out, I'm such pain, I don't want to go to the dentist, I'm afraid. That... When it comes out, thank God, pain goes away. When we let go of those things that we think are so important to us, on the contrary, it's a relief. So that's the meaning of the sheep being roasted in fire. They had to be roasted in fire in a very unusual way. They had to put the um, the spit through the whole entire body of the sheep, and the fire to touch the sheep, you couldn't use a metal spit because the fire itself had to roast it. If there was to be a metal spit, then it would be burned by the metal as well. You had to take out of the sheep all the intestines because no moisture, can't be any moisture, it would be total fire. Why? Because to get out of Egypt, what do you need to get out of Egypt? You need fire. What's the meaning of fire? You have to say, I need to, I need to change. You need to, you need to listen to that voice in yourself that says, things have to be better. You can't, you can't go out of Egypt with water. But fire is only half the story. After you say to yourself, I gotta change and things have to be better, you also have to have water. Because what happens if you're all fire? What happens if everything has to change? What, if, what happens if your guy says, no, no, it has to change? You get burnt out, you get burnt out. So you also have to, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and be satisfied where you're up to in life. I, I know it's, uh, everyone wants to get back to work, I'll try to make this very brief, one, one, more, one more idea. When the Rebbe began his leadership of Chabad, which started right after the previous Rebbe's passing, which is tomorrow night, a group of college students came to the Rebbe, they told the Rebbe, we want to ask you a question. They, before they went into the Rebbe, one of them, the Hasidim were telling them how great the Rebbe is. The Rebbe could see one end of the world to the other. The Rebbe prophesies the future. So one of the students, a very chutzpah guy, a smart guy, he says to the Rebbe, you know, they told us, you know, you, you could do all these things, but I notice you have a, 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 a eraser on your pencil. Why is there an eraser on your pencil? If you're such a tzaddik, you can see it from one end of the world to the other, why is there an eraser on your pencil? And the Rebbe said, in exact words, something to the effect of that if you're going to be today the same way we were yesterday, it's tegnish. That's the way it's supposed to be. You have to erase what was yesterday. You have to, if someone gave you another day in the world, that's has to be something more. That's why we always use the expression, by the way, Yirat Shemayim, fear of heaven. Yirat Shemayim. Why do we say Yirat Hashem? Why do you say Yirat Shemayim? Shemayim is made up of two words. Fire and water. You have to have both. You have to have fire. You need to go better. You need to change. You also have to be satisfied where you are, where you are and what you're doing. You have to realize you accomplished something. You have to recognize the accomplishment. You can't always be fire. So, to get out of Egypt, you have to have the fire. That's why the sacrifice of the sheep was total fire. On the other hand, together with the fire, a person has to always look at their accomplishments and be satisfied and, and enjoy. And say, I did something. You have to have self-confidence in yourself and just say, you know, I went somewhere. There was a chassid. Okay, this is Mamish last story. I'll let you guys know. Mamish last one. There was a chassid who complained to the Rebbe Marash. Complained to the Rebbe Marash that whenever he prays, he has all these crazy thoughts in his head. He prays, prays, and he says, I, I'm... I'm I'm not really praying to God. I have all these crazy thoughts in my head whenever I pray. The Rebbe said to him, what do you care? So what do you mean? I'm trying to pray and I can't pray and they have all these thoughts in my head. I start to pray and all of a sudden I, I think about this, think about that. It's called in, in the Torah, strange thoughts. All these thoughts are strange in my head. So the Rebbe said, why does it bother you? You're praying, it's good. He said, but it really bothers me. I can't, I, I'm not praying the way I was supposed to. He says, oh, it bothers you? 
that bothers you, that's a sign that these thoughts are really not yours. That these are just strange thoughts. They're indeed strange. Because it bothers you, that shows that this isn't really you and this is what your prayer is about. On the one hand, the was trying to tell him, you have, you have some good inside of you. You have to be satisfied. You have something there inside of you. On the other hand, we have to have that fire element as well. That fire and water. You gotta have Mitzrayim. Number one, what you need is fire. So each of us look at ourselves. Which are we better at? Some people which are so fire, they make their whole household, their whole families, all these down because they so, feel so negative. Some people are all water. Oh, we say yesterday, today, <laughs> tomorrow, manana. Doesn't matter. So the Torah tells us you have to have... Hey, don't get insulted. <laughs> the Torah tells us we have to have both fire and water. You have to be satisfied and be happy and a pleasure from our accomplishments. But at the same time, today we have to question where we are today and say with the fire, we have to invest and say to, today has to be something different. Until we get to Mashiach. Mashiach is the ultimate redemption of Mitzrayim. Mashiach is a time when we'll completely leave this exile and this Egypt inside of ourselves and, and in the world. And we'll see, as, as the Rebbe said in his very first discourse, Habati Lagani, Hashem's presence will be revealed in the world. The way we get there is by each of us going out of our own Mitzrayim and going a step further. L'chaim, l'chaim. Mitzrayim. And we'll see Mashiach Mamish.